Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. I'd like to talk to you about your plans and God's plans. You know that God has amazing plans for you. We know that verse from Jeremiah 29, where God says, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And then you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's God's plan for you. And there are many verses in the Bible that speak of God's plan. Romans 12 verse 2 says that his will for you is good, pleasing and perfect. Good plans, not to harm you. Pleasing, they give you pleasure and perfect. You couldn't do better yourself. In Psalm 139, it says that God wrote down all the plans that he has for you before you were even born. And Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that he has prepared, you are his workmanship, so he's prepared you. But then it says he's prepared good works for you to do in advance. So we know God has amazing plans for you. But you and I also have plans and everyone who we bump up against in life has plans and the devil has plans. And how do God's plans come to be put into effect in my life? And I want to make a little statement today as we look at Acts chapter 16 that I think will help you. God's plans happen while we are trying to do God's plans. Let me say that again. God's plans happen while we are trying to do God's plans. You say to me, doesn't God's plan happen for everybody? Well, Romans 8 verse 28 says, All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. And purpose or counsel is this big idea in the Old and the New Testaments where it talks about God having a purpose and a plan that he is going to achieve. He's going to spread his message and his love throughout the world. He's going to bring a body of believers in. He's going to extend his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Those are his purpose. The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. That's his purpose. And when we love him and we're called according to that purpose, all things start to work together for good. But we're going to see today from Acts chapter 16, that it is not as simple as we might think. You might have been told that God will just work all things and it'll be so simple and it'll be like walking from one cloud to the next and there'll be beautiful Christian music playing throughout your life and everything will be simple and you'll know the door to walk through and it'll just be easy. But I want to show you that God's plan happens while we are trying to do his plan and 1 Corinthians 13 says that we know in part, we prophesy in part, we see God and his plans a bit like in a mirror dimly where we can't quite see what's going on. Uh, prophecies sometimes fail. It's not a straightforward process, but it is a wonderful process because Romans 12 verse 2 says we can prove or or show or live out God's good, pleasing and perfect will and his plans for our lives. So I'm starting in Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, where Paul is now starting his second missionary journey. Do you remember the first one? He went with Barnabas 
and John Mark. They went to various cities uh, around uh, Galatia area, Lystra and Derby and a few others. And now in verse 6, he's starting to press out into new territory. He has Silas with him. He no longer has Barnabas and John Mark. And he has taken Timothy with him at the beginning of Acts 16. And in verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So this is Paul trying his best to do God's plan. He knows what God wants him to do to spread the gospel. He has a plan in his mind. He was wanting to go to Asia. And whenever it speaks of Asia, the biggest city, the most important city in Asia, which is modern day Turkey, was Ephesus. And Paul was trying to get to Ephesus. He had a plan to go to Ephesus, this very influential city, and it would influence the whole region and he would be able to start a church there. And so right from this early stage in Acts 16, he's wanting to go to Ephesus, to Asia. But the Holy Spirit says no. He's trying, but it's, it's a trial and error process. The Holy Spirit says no, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, does that mean never? No, it, it just means not yet, because later in Acts chapter 19, he does go to Ephesus. And it's the most amazing ministry time there. It's the pinnacle of his ministry. But there was a process. And sometimes we don't see the big picture. God can see from the bigger perspective. And he says, not yet. Was Paul discouraged? No, he just kept trying. So he then tried to go into Bithynia but the Spirit did not permit them. So that's him trying to do God's plans. And then in verse 8, it says, So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Now, Troas is an interesting little city because Paul never intended to go to Troas. God wanted him to get to a place called Philippi, which I'm going to show you in a moment, where amazing things happened, and it was a beautiful church that was planted, and it was a relationship that lasted for decades after that, where Paul and the Philippians were such close um, partners in the gospel, he says. But he ended up at a little place called Troas, the place he never meant to go. And I want to show you that God's plan is what happens while we're trying to do God's plan. Paul was just trying his best. Shall we go to Asia? Holy Spirit says no. No peace in his heart. He feels like the Lord's saying no. He tries to go to the next place. No. They end up at Troas, a place they never intended to go. And verse 9, it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia, which is a land across the sea from Troas. So Troas is right on the coast, and across the sea there's Macedonia, which is northern Greece, um, Philippi. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him. So Paul sees this vision of a man from Macedonia. I don't know if he knew from the clothing or maybe the man said, I'm from Macedonia, whatever it was. But he has this dream of this man saying, please come, come over to Macedonia and help us. And verse 10 says, now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So what happened in this little place called Troas? There's just three verses here. And we could easily pass over it and think that Troas was just a mistake, just a, 
a place to go through to get to where God wanted him to go. In my own life, I've sometimes been in places and I think, how did I end up here? Why did I come here? What is God doing? And yet when I look back, <laughs> you know, hindsight is so beautiful because you can see God's handiwork in hindsight so much better than you can in the moment. When I look back, I see how God was working in me. He was working through me. He was using me and using others. And he was achieving his bigger purpose, his counsel. And in Troas, I just want to mention a couple of, of things. First of all, in verse 10, it says, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. This is the first time in the book of Acts that the word we is used. Up until now, every time Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, is talking about Paul or somebody else, he says, they, 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 they. And suddenly in verse 10, he says, we. So Paul met Luke in Troas, the place where he wasn't really intending to go. He met this close ally who wrote the book of Acts and the gospel of Luke who was such a help to Paul, who was such a help to the body of Christ. You know, God says that his word is God-breathed, um, that it's from God. And so Luke was God's plan all along. And yet Paul met him in the place he never really wanted to go. And the other thing about Troas is that a church was born there. Even though Paul was just there on his way somewhere else, a church was born because later in Acts chapter 20, we see that Paul goes back to Troas and there's a church there. He's in a, a third story room. He's preaching so long and so boringly that a young man called Eutychus falls asleep and falls out of the third story window, lands on the floor. Paul runs down, falls on him and prays for him to be raised from the dead. The man is raised from the dead and Paul goes up and keeps preaching until dawn. And a church was born in Troas. And later, Paul speaks of Troas in 1, uh, 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. He says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me by the Lord. This was a second visit to Troas. And he says a door was opened. There was something powerful happening in Troas. And later on in 2 Timothy 4, he says, I've left my parchments and my cloak at Troas. So Troas became an important place for him. But then the third thing was he had this vision of the man from Macedonia at Troas. So my next point, my friend, is that God's plan is what happens to you while you're trying to do God's plan. We see through a glass dimly or darkly. We're not really sure. Prophecies will fail. Um, we prophesy in part, we know in part, we hear from God in part, we try our best, but God is working his plan in us. He works all things for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. When we're trying to do God's plan, his plan works out. And then they got to the place that God wanted them to go. Philippi was a city that Paul had never intended to visit. It was way up north. There were so few Jewish people there that they didn't have enough men to make a synagogue. You only needed 10 Jewish men to have a synagogue and they didn't have them. And Paul normally would go to a place where there were Jewish people so that he could start with familiar people. But in verse 11, it says, Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace. The next day came to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. Paul arrives in Macedonia and Philippi and he's not sure what's going to happen. 
You see, we think God's guidance is so clear and Paul must have just known exactly what to do. No, he's trying his best to obey. Shall we go to Asia? Shall we go to Bithynia? Let's see where God's wanting us to go. And as he goes, God is working and helping and moving him. Verse 13, on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. There were women praying by the riverside. There weren't enough Jewish men to make a synagogue. There were only women praying there. And Paul goes there and God opens a door. Now, God's plan was for Philippi to become a major partner with Paul in spreading the gospel all the way. He wanted Paul to go to Ephesus, to Asia, which is where Paul was wanting to go in the start. But it took him several years to get there and he needed the partnership of the Philippians who kept giving him money. In Philippians, he says, no other church shared with me in the giving and receiving of money except you. I thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Uh, you're sharing with me in my grace. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. There was this lovely fellowship and partnership with the Philippians. And Paul had never really intended to go there, but God had a plan. And Lydia was the lady. Now, what's interesting is that Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia calling him, but when he got there, it was only ladies because we see in part, we see through a glass dimly. And yet as we try to follow God's plans, he works out his plans. Verse 16, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. And this girl is shouting out, these men are servants of the Most High who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She's saying the truth, but she is inspired by an evil spirit because evil spirits are tricky. Sometimes they'll say what's true in order to gain your confidence, but they have an ulterior motive. And Paul could see through it. He rebuked the spirit. The spirit left the girl. And we see that opposition sometimes happens. We don't think opposition will be part of God's plan, but sometimes it is. And the results of this were surprising because Paul and Silas were thrown in jail. Verse 21, sorry, verse 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, Supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him 
and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. God did an amazing thing, but Paul and Silas cooperated with God by praising him in the midst of what seemed to be a disaster. They'd been beaten with rods. They'd been publicly humiliated. They'd been put into the inner maximum security prison. Their feet are chained with stocks and um, they really are in a terrible situation. And they could say, where is God's plan in this? What is God doing in this? How is God working his plan through this hardship? But God was working an amazing miracle because the Philippian jailer found Christ in the midst of this. While Paul and Silas praised God, thank you, God. Your love endures forever. You are working out your plans. You are a great God. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. Let's sing and praise and worship him. God's power floods into that prison. All the prisoners' chains break free because when you praise God and he breaks into your life, people around you get affected. And that's a word for somebody today. When you get touched by the Lord, people around you are touched by the Lord. But now I just want to show you something interesting. Verse 35 says, and when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. Let me read that to you again. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. The very next morning, Paul and Silas were going to be set free. <laughs> now, did God know that? Did God know that Paul and Silas were about to be set free the next day? Yes. So why did he send an earthquake? Why did the chains of everyone break off? Why was there this miraculous intervention if the very next day they were going to be set free? The answer is because God wanted to get the Philippian jailer and his family saved. Why did Paul and Silas even have to go to prison? Because God wanted to get the Philippian jailer and his family saved. Why did Paul and Silas have this terrible reaction against trying to cast the demon out of this lady? Why did the lady even come up with these demonic inspired words? Because God wanted to get the Philippian jailer and his family saved. You see, God's plan is what happens while we're trying to do God's plan. And sometimes we see darkly and we don't know what God is doing. And in the midst of the darkness and the prison and the confusion, we need to gather up our courage. We need to say, God, you are great. You are working all things for good. I don't have the full picture, God, but I know you are working. God, I wanted to go to Ephesus, but you sent me to Troas. God, I, I didn't know where you were sending me, but you've worked and you've moved and you've shown me the way and I'm praising you, and the chains fall off, and people are set free. So I want to just give you a, a couple of closing points here. God has a good plan for you, my friend, a good plan. His plans are good, pleasing, and perfect, and they will never fail. Let me read you this verse from Proverbs 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in a man's heart, nevertheless the Lord's counsel that will stand. The Lord's counsel, this word counsel or purpose speaks of that plan that God is achieving in the earth, that nothing will stop. And you may have plans, but when you link up your plans with God's plans, all things work together for those who love God and who are called according to his 
purpose, his counsel. When I link myself up and align myself with what God is doing, spreading the gospel, the great commission, I want to serve him. I, I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice to him. Then my mind is renewed and I can prove what is his good, pleasing and perfect will. God has a good plan for you. Number two, he will stop you from bad and lead you to good and use you wherever. You know, Paul was trying his best to serve and the Holy Spirit stopped him from going to two different areas. And the, the Lord will stop you if he needs to. In the Old Testament, there's a story of Balaam and his donkey and Balaam is going the wrong way and the donkey eventually speaks to him. The donkey, first of all, stops going various directions and then eventually the donkey speaks. Because God, if you are serving him, God is so committed to guiding you. Let me, let me just read you a couple of these verses. Psalm 32, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. This is God's promise to you. I will guide you with my eye. Isaiah 30 verse 21, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. God is committed to guiding you. So the first thing is God has a plan for you. The second thing is God will guide you. He will stop you going the wrong way and he will lead you into the right. The third thing is your attitude is important. We need to remain in faith with a good attitude and say, Lord, I'll praise you in all circumstances. The fourth thing is that hardship or lack of hardship doesn't really show us whether we're in God's will because sometimes we go through hardship, but it's to lead to something better. And Paul and Silas could have complained and given up, but they kept praising and they kept going because hardship or a lack of hardship is not a sign that we're in his will or out of his will. And then the last thing is the big picture. It's his counsel. Many are the plans in people's hearts, but it's the Lord's counsel. It's his big picture. We got to line ourselves up. We got to love God and say, I'm called according to his purpose, his big picture. And what is his big picture? It's reaching the world for Christ. In Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3, it talks about his purpose. And it talks about how God is trying to bring all things together under the headship of Christ and how he's doing it through the church. The church will be used to display his manifold wisdom to the world. You know, when I get involved in what he's doing, in loving his people, in growing his church, in praying for his kingdom to grow, in supporting ministries that are growing his kingdom, in supporting my local church and planting new churches, when I'm part of his purpose and his counsel, um, then all things work together for good because God's plan is what happens in my life while I'm trying to do God's plan. Now, you may be one of those people who have an idea of what God's plan is. You're wanting to get to Ephesus, to Asia, and God seems to be blocking you. Praise him because he's got a better plan. You might be in the in-between place in Troas, where you say, why am I here? I don't have a clue what's going on. This doesn't seem to be where I should be, but God is working. He's working greatly in Troas. He's bringing maybe a Luke to help you. He's giving you vision and, and direction for the future. He's planting his church and growing his people in that place. And so in the middle of not really knowing where we're going, God is working. Praise him for that. Or you may be in Philippi and you might say, I'm pretty sure this is where 
God wants me, but I thought it was a man and it seems to be a woman. I thought it was going to be easy and now I'm in jail. I'm not really sure. And I want to say to you, God is working because he's promised to work all things together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Lord Jesus, we love you and we want to serve you. and We want to line up our lives and our plans with your counsel and your plans. And so, Lord, we give our lives to you. We thank you for what's going on around us. We thank you in the midst of this situation, even though we may not understand it. We thank you that you are working all things together for good. And Lord God, we want to just praise you in the midst of it. We want to love you and obey you as best we can. And we are choosing, Lord, even if we don't fully understand or see every idea and every picture that you have, we are choosing to trust you and to keep walking ahead and doing what you've called us to do. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray for my friend who's watching this right now. I pray that you would strengthen them. Lord, some people I know are feeling that they've blown it and they they can't get back to God's plan. I want to say to you, there is forgiveness, my friend. Just come to him and say sorry, and he washes it away. Lord Jesus, we confess our sins and we trust you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just receive that forgiveness right now, my friend, and trust that God can work all things together for good when we love him and when we call according to his purpose. Please have a look at our website, leadinglightsnetwork.com. Link up with us, download our app and contact us. There are people all over the planet who we are praying with and we are helping and sending emails every week to who are trying to serve God and grow his kingdom. And there is something happening in the earth today. Link up with us. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.